What's up, Red Rocks Church? You in a good mood tonight? Let me say hi to all of our locations. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, Brussels, Belgium. Can we make some noise for Brussels, Belgium? Brussels, we love you. And Brussels, we had this talk last week. We have an agreement now. You're praying for the Denver Broncos with us. And together, from each side of the ocean, we are going to our Father on behalf of our Denver Broncos. Brussels, we love you so much. Men and women at both God Behind Bars campuses, we love you. We believe in you. You're every bit as much a part of this church family as those of us sitting in this room. Thank you for being with us today. Can we make some noise one more time for our God Behind Bars campuses? We're in this teaching series called I Am Home, and I said this last week, and, and oh, I mean it, and, and, and our staff means it. If you're visiting, this is a perfect time to visit our church. If you're visiting, if you're just checking out church, checking out God, someone invited you, she was so cute you couldn't say no, like I don't know what your deal is, right? But if you're checking this thing out, I want you to... The goal is, is that by the time you leave, when you walk out of, no matter what campus you walk out of, that that's how you would feel. You'd be like, yep, that's it. I am home. I felt at home. I, I saw a guy in the gym this week, big old dude, sleeve tattoo, cool as heck. He walked up to me with some passion and I was like, oh no, I took his machine. Like I was seriously scared. <laughs> and he walks up to me and he's like, hey. And I went, hey there, how are you? <laughs> And he's like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you. He said, I've been going to Red Rocks for five weeks now. He said, from the first time I walked in, I felt at home. And that's the goal. So that's on you, church family. Don't ever stop hugging people, shaking hands, greeting people, making them feel loved and welcomed and accepted. He did tell me, he goes, I didn't know what to expect. I wore a shirt and tie my first time. Then I saw you people and I was like, no, mm -mm, wrong place. I don't know what your past church experiences have been. I don't know how you've been treated. I don't know what it's been like for you. Maybe you've been around some church people and I don't know how you've been treated, but I want you to know in this family and in this house, you are welcomed, you are loved, you are accepted, you are valued, and we're so glad that you're here. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. Let's make some noise one more time for our visitors. Today's message is called Homecoming. If you're looking for it later online, it's called homecoming. And Luke 15, I told you last week, we're going to be in this chapter for the whole five weeks of this series. If you're at home this week and you're going, man, I want to get in the Bible, but I don't know where to read. Just start reading Luke 15 over and over. And if you get bored, read the whole book of Luke, but we're going to be in Luke 15. And in Luke 15, the younger son experiences a homecoming. We started talking about it last week, a homecoming that he will never forget, right? Let's recap verses 11 and 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. I said it last week, everybody listening to the story would be like, whoa, the younger son's crazy. You don't go ask your dad for your inheritance. He was asking for one third of the family's estate. You don't go ask for that before your father passes away. So everybody listens like, whoa, look out for that young one. 
And you may remember, I played a video of my youngest son, Ashton, who's here today on the front row. I love you so much, buddy. And just so you know, he gave me permission to play that video last week because he charges me. Yeah. And in fact, he goes, Dad, I got another one you should play too because he charges me per video. So I played the video of Ash when he was two and he was just throwing a fit in the kitchen, right? Yelling and screaming. He was hitting the cabinets and all over a donut, right? And, and I wasn't sure if I should play the video because I'm always like, man, I don't want to scar my children, but oh, it's so funny. Like I must share. And so I asked Chad, he said I should. So I play the video and right after one of the Saturday night services at Littleton, this couple comes up to me and they're like, uh-oh, this couple comes up to me and they're like, hey, about that video you played. And I'm like, ah, oh, I knew I shouldn't have played it. I asked Chad for permission. I should have went to an adult, you know, like, ah. And so I'm like, they go, that video you played. And they go like this, they go, thank you. Thank you for playing that. We needed to see it. They almost teared up. We needed to see that. Because we, we got a child at home that's, whew, thank you. <laughs> it was like they were set free. Ashton, you set them free. The younger son in this story, he's crazy. And he goes to his dad and he asks for his inheritance and his dad says yes, which also blew everybody away. And he gets one third of dad's estate and he liquidates the assets and he goes off to a distant country and he starts partying and he loses it all. And then there's a famine and he finds himself at the lowest point of his life, foodless, jobless, penniless, homeless, the whole thing, right? And last week we said, you know, truth be told, we all have some stuff in common with this younger son in Luke 15. Because at the end of the day, he was a kid who made some mistakes and found himself distant from the father, right? And, and, and everybody listening already knew what Jesus meant. The father in the story represented God. And so when we understand that, it's easy for us to go, yeah, I've got some stuff in common with this younger kid because I've made some mistakes, and I know what it's like to feel distant from God. Yeah, I got a lot in common. See, before you put your faith in Jesus, you would sort of go, yeah, I'm distant from God. Like it's obvious at that point, right? But then last week I said, Christians, beware. Because it's also, it also happens with us. We put our faith in Jesus. We believe he's the son of God. We're on our way to heaven. We spend all times all kinds of time in the house, right? In the house of God, we attend and we give and we serve and, and, and get in groups. And still, you can have had faith in Jesus for years. And in a moment of honesty, a lot of people would say, but I can't remember the last time I actually felt close to God. As Christ followers, we too can feel distant from the Father. And that's where this kid is. And he has this moment of clarity, this realization where he goes, wait a minute, I don't have to live this way. I could go back home. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and I'll go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to the father. And I'm reading that this week. And you know what jumped off the page at me? The second that he realized there's distance between me and the father, I got to fix that. I've made some mistakes. There's distance. The first thing that pops in his mind is, but I'm not worthy. And I thought, oh, we have more in common with this kid than we may have realized last week. How many of us know what that feels like? I've made some mistakes. I feel distant from God. I want to move back into a, or for the first time, into a relationship with him. But I don't feel worthy to do that. Some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all yet. And you're just checking stuff out. But the truth is, part of the reason you're here probably is deep down inside, you know. See, I, I believe we were created to crave the creator. And so deep down inside, you just kind of know. It's like I was at 24. You just kind of know. Like it's not, I don't want to want God. I don't want to need God. I want to be mad at God. I want to blame God. But deep down, I know I need to reconnect my life with the Father. That's what I'm missing. And the, but the truth is, I don't feel worthy to do that. Look at me. Look at my life. Look at what I deal with, right? But Christians, beware because we deal with the same stuff. Some of you right now, I know some of your stories. I know what some of you are going through. And right now, truth be told, you need a miracle from God to happen in your life. You need a miracle from God to happen in your family. You need something that only he can do to take place. And in the bottom of your heart, you go, I'm not worthy of something like that happening. You don't even feel worthy to pray for a miracle. And then every now and then you throw up a, a Hail Mary, right? But the truth is, put you on a polygraph test, you'd go, yeah, but I don't believe anything's actually gonna happen because I don't really warrant that. Like, I'm probably not good enough for God to actually do a miracle for me and my family. Some of you have some huge decisions you're making right now. And you need guidance from God, but you don't feel worthy. And every now and then you throw up the Hail Mary and go, oh, God, help me. But if you really got to the bottom of it, you don't believe you will, because I'm just not worthy of stuff like that. Some of you, you know what God's calling you to do, and you can't get past this feeling of unworthy. I'm unworthy to do what he's calling me to do. I'm unworthy to be where he's calling me to go, or to be, or to stay, or to do, or to quit, or to stop, or to start, or whatever it is. I think I know what God's calling me to. I just don't feel good enough to actually do it. I can't tell you how many times I deal with that, and I hate it, but it's real, isn't it? We, like him, find ourselves in this position. I've made some mistakes, sure. I feel distant from God, yeah, I wanna fix that, but I'm not worthy. But this kid, he decides to risk it. He decides it's worth it anyways. I'm not worthy. I won't even ask to be a son, right? I'll be a servant, that's what he said. I'll be a day laborer. Someone who doesn't even live on the property. I'll just come in from time to time when he needs some extra help out in the fields. I won't be an imposition. I won't actually sit at the table with him. I'll never be a son again, but maybe I could just work for him. And that's his plan, and he heads home. Verse 20. So he got up, and he went to his father. Excuse me. <clears throat> so he got up, and he went to his father. But while he was still... 
A long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Here comes the homecoming that he'll never forget. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. First thing I want to look at right there is that phrase, a long way off. I was reading that this week and I was praying, God, help me to see this. Help me to picture this happening. And I started to see it differently. Like, the only way you see someone coming from a long way off is if you're trying to look a long way off, right? What we normally focus on is what's right in front of us. But notice in this story, the father wasn't in, in, in the house. He wasn't focusing on just what's inside and just what's going on on a day-to-day basis and just who's there with him on the property. No, I picture him out on the back porch doing this all the time. He's looking a long way off. You know why? Because he never stopped believing in his son. He never stopped loving him. He never stopped caring about him. He never stopped thinking, I wonder if this will be the day. I wonder if this will be the day that my son will come home. Oh, I wonder if this will be the day that she will come back. Right? Out on the back porch, just waiting. And I want you to know that if you are distant from God for any reason today, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, maybe you have, and just the cares of this world have somehow got in between you, whatever it is, if you feel distant from God today, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who has never given up on you. He's never stopped loving you. He's never stopped caring for you. He's never stopped hoping, I hope this is the day that my child comes back. He was looking a long way off, hoping that this would be the time. And that's how God sees you today if you feel distant. I love that it says he ran to his son. And I believe he ran to his son with joy and through humiliation. With joy through humiliation. For this teaching series, I've probably read more commentaries and more notes of theologians on what they think of this story than I ever have for any teaching series before. Right now on my desk is stacks of books that are like this thing, like Everybody who talked about the father running agreed. Every theologian I read agreed said the same thing. The way the original language works and the way it talks about him running and hugging and kissing, they all said the same thing. This father is running with joy. And listen, this is, this is huge for some of you. This was huge for me this week when I got this. Because how many times do you feel distant from God? But the truth is, if I were to draw a picture of what I think God looks like, at least when he looks at me, it would be this. Uh huh. Oh, I figured you'd be coming back. Yeah. That's what I thought. It's about time. Get in the house. We'll talk later. <laughs> Isn't that how you like you kind of? I heard a guy sharing his testimony this week, and, and, and he said, he said, I, I knew I needed God. I knew I needed forgiveness. I knew I needed restoration. And you know what he said? He said, but for years, if I was honest, what I actually thought is that God was mildly, I wrote it down, mildly disgusted with me because that's how I felt. I knew I needed the father. I just always sort of assumed that he was looking at me mildly disgusted. And I'm telling you, when I heard him say that, that's why I wrote it down. Something, something went off inside of me. And I was like, wait a minute. 
I've dealt with that. I've felt that way before. I've felt that if God was, was honest about how he feels about me, he'd be a little bit disgusted from time to time. And some of you need to see it differently. Some of you need to see a father. If you would just say, God, I've been distant and, and the reasons don't matter, but here it is. I'm gonna take one step towards you. Some of you need to understand that, that you will have a heavenly father that will run to you with joy. And he's not angry with his arms crossed. He's got his arms out like this, smiling, ear to ear. Can't wait for you to come home. I've been waiting for this day, daughter. I've never given up on you. I've been waiting for this day, son. I've never given up on you. That's the kind of God you have, a God who runs with joy to you. But you also have a God that runs through humiliation. See, everybody listening to this story as Jesus was telling it, as soon as Jesus got to the part where he says, and the father ran. Remember how last week I told you that when, when Jesus told him that the boy asked for his inheritance, everybody would have went, oh, no, right? Same thing. When Jesus says this father ran to his son, everybody listening would have went, no. See, for us, it's not a big deal, right? Dads run all the time. This guy, because he has an estate to be divided, he's a Jewish patriarch. He's a man of dignity, a man of wealth, a man of power, a man of influence. And in this day and age, they never ran. Because to run, you got to bend down. you got to pick up your robe and shows your legs and who knows what else. Hope you got long arms. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what? It's true. <laughs> it was so undignified, though. Guys, you, you got to grow up. You got a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> they would have went, no, 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 this father wouldn't run. That would be humiliating. And a Jewish patriarch would never do that. This father is not going to run to welcome home his son. And you know how there's all these stories in the New Testament where Jesus is telling a story and, and, it, and the passage says, and the men were thinking, and then Jesus responds to it? Like, oh, really? Allow me to respond. And they're like, I didn't, I didn't say that out loud, did I? Right? <laughs> Jesus does that all the time. He knows what they're thinking. No father would do that. That's humiliating. And I wonder, I wonder if in the back of Jesus' mind while he was telling the story, he was thinking, you have no idea the kind of humiliation I'm about to run through so you can come home to the Father. See, Jesus knew what he was about to go through. He knew that he was going to allow himself to be arrested, although he had committed no crime. And he knew they were going to take him to the whipping post and they were going to strip him down naked and completely humiliate him in public. And they were going to whip him with the cat and nine tails till they pulled so much flesh off his body that the prophet said he wouldn't even be recognizable anymore. And they were going to just keep mocking him. As he was bleeding out, they were going to mock him and they were going to go, oh, people call you the king of the Jews. Let's give you a crown, king. Boom. And they were going to shove this crown of thorns onto his head, into his skull. And then they were going to say, march, boy. And they're going to line the streets with people while he's trying to carry a cross up a hill, bleeding out with a crown of thorns in his head. And they were going to laugh at him. They were going to point at him. They were going to push him. They are going to spit on him. They are going to punch him down. And he was going to get back up and he was going to keep walking. 
He's going to go up to the top of that hill. He's going to let this. He's going to suffer the most excruciating and humbling death possible. And I wonder if they're thinking, I can't believe this dad would run. That's, that's, that's humility. I wonder if Jesus is thinking, you have no idea the kind of humiliation I'm going to go through so you can come home. I want you to know if you're distant from God, you need to, I wanted you to picture it for a second. I want you to see what he's gone through. He's running to you with joy, but he's running through humiliation so that you can come home. You got a father who says, there's not a thing in this world I won't go through if you'll just come home. And the dad in this story, he comes running out to greet the son and he hugs him and he kisses him and he welcomes him. And after all that, listen to what the son says. The son said to him, Father, I can't. (laughs) I have sinned against heaven and against you. And here it is again. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. After seeing how the father has went out of his way to show him love, still can't get rid of it, can't get it out of his mind. All he can think is, no, 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 I can't. I can't, dad, I'm not worthy. Son, I love you. I can't, I can't accept that. Some of you, you've heard God loves you your entire life and you go, I can't. I can't accept that. I'm not worthy of that. I talked with some pastors this week I said, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, these are people who spend their lives getting paid to tell people about God's love. I said, you ever feel unworthy when it comes to you and God? Both of them, without hesitation, yeah. One of them said, said I hate to admit this, but with God, I kind of feel like, like I've already had two strikes I've already made so many mistakes in my life. I kind of feel like God's waiting for me to screw up one more time before he's just done with me. He said, I just don't feel worthy. I don't feel like he's proud of me. Another pastor said, just this week, I had an entire prayer time where all I did is say, God, help me to remember that I'm enough because I don't feel that way sometimes. I don't feel like I'm enough. I'm not good enough for where you've got me. I'm not good enough for what you've called me to. I'm not good enough for how you've blessed me. I'm not good enough to be in relation with you. These are people who do this stuff full time. I mean, if nothing else, let that free you up. You're not alone. It's not, it's not just you. And the dad says, let me give my boy some visual reminders of how much I love him. And that my love for him is not based on what he does. It's all about who he is, my son. Verse 20. Kid says, I'm not worthy, right? Can't do it, dad. Can't accept this. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I love that he says, quick. Dad, I'm not worthy of all this. Dad just goes, hold on a second, son. 
now. Distance with the Father often happens over years. Reinstatement is instantaneous. Forgiveness is instantaneous. Salvation is instantaneous. It may have taken you all kinds of time to grow distant from God, but he'll welcome you back in an instant. Quick, get the best robe. Not just any robe. Don't get the old robe. Go in my closet. Get the best one. That, that, that's where the best robe in the house would be. And I can't imagine, I can't help but think the servants are thinking, but master, look at him. He's filthy. He's shameful. He lost a third of your stuff. Look what he did to your heart. Look how he hurt you. Look what he did to the family name. Dad says, now, quick, not a robe, the best robe. I'll cover you, son. I'll cover your filth. I'll cover your shame. I'll cover your guilt. You're not just here. You're not crashing a party, son. Every time you see this robe, I want you to remember you're the guest of honor. You're the reason we have a party. Get the robe. He says, get the ring. Probably a signet ring with like the family crest on it. It's a sign of authority. Son hasn't done anything. He hasn't made amends. He hasn't worked his way back in. He hasn't earned back some trust. Get him the ring now. I want everybody to know who he's with. He's in this family. He's in this house. He's my son. And get him sandals. Stat. Remember the son's, the son's rehearsed apology? I won't be a son. I'll just be a servant. I'll work for you. He was referring to day laborers who oftentimes didn't have shoes. And they weren't, they weren't allowed to live on the property. They didn't live in the house. They didn't sit down to dinner with dad. They didn't get love around the holidays. They got to come in barefoot, go out in the field and work for a day at a time for probably enough to eat. And dad says, no, 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 no. You're not a servant. You're my son. Get him sandals. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. They're visual reminders of this verse, of this truth of the word of God. Some of you need to remember, you need to memorize this verse. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The Father's giving him visual reminders of who he is. See what he's saying? Son, I love you. I accept you. I welcome you. You are worthy. You are enough. Not because of anything you've done, because it's your birthright. Because you're my child. And every time you look at the ring and the robe and the sandals, you remember you're supposed to be in this house. This is home for you. You're worthy. And so Red Rocks Church, we want to give you a visual reminder before you leave service today of who you are. So, cameraman, can I get a close-up? Can you come in close on that? Can you get close on that bracelet? No? There we go. That's the Red Rocks Church logo. And all around it, it says, home, so good. Home, so good. Home, so good. And we got one for every single one of you. When you walk out of your service today, you take one of these bracelets, and every time you look at it, 
Every time you see your hand on the steering wheel, every time you fix your sleeve, every time you pick something up and you see that bracelet, I want it to be a reminder of who you are. You're a child of God. You're more than a conqueror. You're redeemed and restored and renewed. Don't ever forget who you are. And you're worthy to be home with the Father, not because of what you do ever. It's about your birthright. It's because you're a child, you're a son, you're a daughter. So get these, take them home with you, and don't forget. As I was putting together this talk, all week I kept feeling just real unsettled. And I couldn't figure out why. And, and I think there were really two things that were bothering me. One is, this topic is something that I struggle with. So you kind of feel weird talking to thousands of people about it. Let me tell you how to get over that, because <laughs> I can't figure it out for myself. <laughs> so that was unsettling. This is something I struggle with. I struggle with feeling worthy of God's love. And then the second reason was, is I kept thinking, how do I help the people of Red Rocks Church? How do I help them get past this? I don't want them to feel unworthy. So what can I say to help them not feel unworthy? So I started going around to everybody on the staff this week. And everybody who I had a meeting with for any other reason, I go, hey, whoa, 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 before you leave. Do you ever feel unworthy when it comes to you and God? Every person on staff. This is a church. That's where I work. I'm asking church people. Every one of them said, Yep. And I go, okay. Then what do you tell people who feel unworthy? And you know what almost every one of them said? Uh -uh. <laughs> so I let them go. <laughs> and you know me and Chad like to study in the kids' room. I was down in the kids' room studying this week, and in comes John Trowbridge the facilities manager at Littleton. And let me just tell you, Rick Ulrich, Jared Neerhoff, and John Trowbridge, they serve every single one of us in this church family hour after hour after hour after hour behind the scenes. And can we just say thank you to them for a second? They're our facilities managers. Guys, I love you so much. We're, we're lucky to get to do this with you. Well, I walk in to the kids' room, and John's standing there with a paint can. And I'm like, whoa, John, what are you doing? He goes, I got a paint around the edges. I go, no, bro, this is my study room. You can't be coming in here chasing away the Holy Spirit with your painting and such. I got things to do in here. And he's like, oh, that's no, that's no problem. I actually have another room right across the hall. I need to paint it too. I'll just run over there real quick. And then I go, okay, I'll be back. I'll be out. And then you come back. And, and I go, oh, wait, hey, John. Now, John. If you know John, the man of God, a prayer warrior. I said, John, you ever feel unworthy when it comes to you and God? And he goes, yes. And I said, what do I tell people who feel unworthy? And without hesitation, he goes, you tell them worthy is not a feeling. And he grabbed his paint can and he walked out. <laughs> I stood there and started crying. Imagine that. 
And I had this like moment with God in the kids' room. Because see, I'm like a bunch of you and you go through enough life and pretty soon you have a list of reasons why you can feel unworthy, right? Somebody left, it makes you feel unworthy. Somebody did something, it makes you feel unworthy. Somebody said something, makes you feel unworthy. Then you, you take your own mistakes and your own sins and you pile them up and then you just feel unworthy. And I had this moment with God where he just said to me, Sean, you're not worthy because you feel that way. Worthy is not a feeling. It's a fact. It has nothing to do with your emotions. and has everything to do with your birthright. You're worthy because you're my son. And I believe he'd want to say to some of you today, you're worthy because you're his son. You're worthy because you're his daughter. Not because you feel. You're not unworthy because you don't feel worthy. God, God's word shows us Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the price for your sins. You put your faith in him. You become perfectly righteous in God's sight. You are worthy because Jesus died to make you so. You are worthy because God's word says so. And his word always trumps our feelings. I don't feel forgiven. You're not forgiven because you feel forgiven. You're forgiven because God's word says you are. And you're not worthy because you feel worthy. You're worthy. Because of your birthright. Years ago, our creative team tried to make a video to bring the prodigal son story to life. And so I dug it up out of the archives this week. And I want you to picture it. What he struggles with, you may not struggle with, right? Because they're trying to show what it would have looked like for him to lose it all partying. But the truth is, is we all struggle with something. And we all make mistakes and we all feel distant from the Father. And what if, what if today you said, let's put the reasons behind us. I feel distant from my heavenly Father. I'm going to take a step towards him. And what if he came running to you with joy and through humiliation and he wrapped you up in his arms? You imagine what that would do. I want you to think about that as you watch this. Almost every night when I pray with my boys and all three of them are in this service today with us. I pray the same thing. At the end of our prayer, I pray this. God, would you help these boys to always know how much you love them and how proud you are of them. And boys, that's not because you do anything. It's because of who you are. You're sons of God, and he loves you, and he's so proud of you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I think some of you need to hear that from God to you today. I think you need to hear the Father say, I know. I know what's happened, <laughs> but I love you. And I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you, daughter. You're worthy to be home. <clears throat> Would you stand up with me at all locations? Let's pray. God, this is a real struggle for a whole lot of people today. We hear you love us. We hear what your son went through for us. But it's so hard sometimes to accept it. And so, God, I pray that as a church family, as couples, as families, as individuals, 
that you would remind us today just in a very real way, worthy is not a feeling, it's a fact. And we get it because of our birthright. Help us to remember that. I pray that we would leave here with some weight off of our shoulders, with our heads held high, knowing that we are children of God and that He loves us, that He's proud of us and that we're worthy. With everyone's eyes closed, I wanna ask a couple quick questions. First one is this, you already have a relationship with Jesus, but the truth is you struggle with feeling worthy of God. And today you say, I just want prayer for that. I wanna, I wanna get rid of that. I wanna accept his love and I don't wanna feel guilty about it. If that's you, raise your hand and I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. A whole bunch of us, church. And the second question is this, you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. You haven't put your faith in him, but you know it, you just know in your heart, this is my moment. I need to walk away from the way I've been doing life. It is not working. I want to go to God. I want to confess my sins right now and put my faith in Jesus, not just so he gets involved in my life, but because I want heaven forever. And I want to, I want to follow Jesus, and I want to start that now. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I'm going to say a prayer for you as well. Praise God. Good. God bless you. Praise God. Good. Praise God. Praise God. Good. God bless you. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here. You know everything we've been through, you know what we're going through, but way more important than that, you know the plans you have for us. And so I pray right now that we would begin to experience your joy and your peace in the name of Jesus. Joy and peace that comes from knowing that we are welcomed, loved, accepted, and valued from our Father. And God, I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now, the people that are coming to faith and putting their trust in you right now. I thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church at every location, let's worship. <laughs>